And welcome to the Diary of an Arcade Employee podcast. I'm your host, Vic Sage, and for this show, I will be discussing Technos Japan's 1987 beat em up, Double Dragon. Released as Daburu Doragon in Japan by Technos Japan, the publishing rights for North America and Europe were handled by Taito. Starting in 1953, when founded by Michael Kogan, the then-titled Taito Trading Company made its mark by importing and then distributing vending machines, before moving on to jukeboxes, and around the early 1960s, they began producing electromechanical games. By 1978, the company had changed its name to the Taito Corporation and delivered the blockbuster known as Space Invaders. So successful was that legendary game that a year later they opened the Taito American Corporation just to supply games in North America, releasing titles like 1981's Quicks, 1982's Jungle Hunt, 1983's Elevator Action, 1986's Bubble Bobble, as well as the Double Dragon sequels. I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but the first time I actually played Double Dragon wasn't in the arcade but the home port for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Judging by the amount of correct answers I received from last show's music clip, I think it's safe to say that most of you remember the home port as fondly as I do. A big congrats, though, to Atari Adventure Square, who was the first to chime in with the correct answer. Development for Double Dragon and its two sequels was handled by Yohisha Kishimoto. As usual, I'm probably butchering names here. Sorry about that. Kishimoto also had a hand in the 1984 Laserdisc games Cobra Command and Road Blaster. In 1986, he kind of got the ball rolling in the beat-em-up genre with Renegade. The same year as Double Dragon, he also developed Super Dodgeball. He oversaw the ports for Double Dragon to the NES and their sequels, as well as Super Double Dragon for the SNES. In 2014, he was assigned the role of creative consultant for River City Ransom Underground. Double Dragon tasks one or two players with controlling Billy and Jimmy Lee in their side-scrolling quest to rescue Marion, the girl they are both sweet on, by surviving the mean streets of the city and beyond that are controlled by the evil Shadow Warriors gang. Interesting note, in the original North American release of Double Dragon, our heroes were named Hammer and Spike. I guess because those sound like tougher names or something? The game also offered a first in that you could pick up the weapons you knock out of the hands of your enemies and give them a taste of their own medicine. There are some big differences between the Japanese release and the North American version, and besides names, it all comes down to the basic story. In the Japanese backstory, which most of the home ports would adopt, the opening crawl tells us that, quote, in the year 19xx, half of the world was ravaged by a nuclear war, and violence ruled the streets in America. One of the most violent gangs in America was called the Black Warriors, who ruled the streets with no mercy. Yet two siblings named Billy and Jimmy, trained in the arts of the So Sasukan and owners of the So Sasukan Dojo, were brave enough to face the Black Warriors. They taught their martial arts to the city, and people gave them the nickname the Double Dragon. 
Among Billy and Jimmy's pupils, there was a female instructor named Marion, who was also Billy's lover. The Black Warriors waste no time to capture her and lure Billy to their hideout. Now, Billy must penetrate the Black Warriors to save his girlfriend and face against the boss of the Black Warriors, Willie, once and for all. Billy enlists the help of his twin brother, Jimmy, in order to save Marion. End quote. Of course, in the North American and Europe releases of the arcade game, the Black Warriors have been renamed the Shadow Warriors. To show us just how horrible this gang is at the beginning of the game, we see Marion getting kidnapped. As one of Machine Gun Willie's thugs marches forward and punches her in the gut. Picking her up and throwing her over his shoulder, the thug and his boss walk away. Which I have to say, even though that's crazy brutal for an opening, you're pretty ready to smash anything that gets in your way by the time the game starts. Player 1 controls the blue-hued Billy, while Player 2 takes on the role of the red-attired Jimmy. An 8-way joystick allows you up and down, left and right, as well as diagonally in those directions. The players have three buttons, allowing you to punch, kick, and jump. Depending on which direction you're pushing on the joystick, with various button combinations, you can pull off martial arts moves. To initiate a jump kick, the player presses the jump and kick button and presses the joystick in the desired direction. For an elbow smash, you will press the punch and kick button at the same time. To perform a backward kick, the player must press the jump and kick buttons at the same time. To use your headbutt, you press twice on the joystick in whichever direction your foe is standing. You can also lay in with a flurry of punches, and by pressing forward on the joystick, you will perform a body throw. Then, there is my personal favorite attack, the patented double dragon hair pull, which you set up by first kicking your foe and moving into grapple, followed by a couple of quick but satisfyingly brutal knees to their face. There will come times when your enemies just completely surround you and you might be caught in a bear hug. Your only option then is to either let yourself get pummeled or you can press the jump button so you can break out of the hold. Thankfully for the players, Billy and Jimmy are pretty tough, so they can take a couple of hits from their foes. You can keep track of your health by looking at the bottom of the screen. Not only can you see how many lives you have remaining, but there are five boxes. Blue for Billy and red, of course, for Jimmy. Each time you are struck, a little bit of those boxes are chipped away until they are emptied and you've lost one of your lives. You will also lose one of your lives if the timer reaches zero before you clear an area of the stage. There are four stages or levels to Double Dragon, which include in order the streets of the city, a factory, a forest, and then the Shadow Warriors hideout. During your journey through these areas, you will combat the foot soldiers of the Shadow Warrior gang, like... Williams. You'll face off against a couple of different versions of this guy. Variations of the character include different colored sleeveless shirts as well as skin tones. Not very strong, but they do carry daggers, baseball bats, and even dynamite, which you can pick up and use yourself. You have to be real quick though with picking up that dynamite, making sure you aren't caught in the explosion. Fun fact, this enemy was named after Jim Kelly's character in Bruce Lee's 1973 classic, Enter the Dragon. Next we have Linda Lash. You won't see a lot of these ladies appear in the game. They too aren't that strong. But what they lack in strength, they make up for in skill, wielding a deadly bullwhip. Then we have Roper. These guys can use the same weapons as Williams, but also toss oil drums, large rocks, and even the dreaded cardboard box. Hey, laugh all you want, but have you had the displeasure of getting hit in the face with a cardboard box? It stings, I can assure you. 
Roper and Williams make up the bulk of the Shadow Warriors gang. These enemies aren't hard to take down one-on-one, -on -one, but the problem, as I've already mentioned, is the gang will frequently send multiple foes at you at the same time. It's easy to get overrun if you aren't paying attention to where the enemies are. Roper is named after John Saxon's character in Enter the Dragon. Then we have the legendary Abobo. These guys are the enemy that make me panic the most. Hulking brutes that are easily twice the size of your average foe. They just seem to soak up your punches and kicks. In retaliation, reaching down to pick you up and toss you over their shoulder in a signature move called the Atomic Throw. A weapon in hand is a good thing to have when you take on these guys. You'll face off against one as a boss character at the end of Stage 1. Fans have lovingly nicknamed this enemy the Mr. Tiabobo, as he is dark-skinned and sports a massive mohawk. He also has a double slap ability that the other versions of Abobo do not possess. Oh, and for some reason at the end of Stage 3, The Factory, you face off against a green Abobo. An Incredible Hulk reference, I suppose. Next up is Jeff. With a name like that, you just know he has to be pretty dangerous. He's the boss character for the end of the second stage. Jeff has the same skill as the players, except for the ability to use weapons, and hands down, he's a tough fight. Especially because he has an annoying habit of getting out of that patented double dragon hair grab maneuver. Last, but certainly not least, Willie, aka Machine Gun Willie, Wild Willie, or Big Boss Willie. He looks a little like an abobo, though not quite as tall, but he is carrying a machine gun and will gun you down without hesitation. As you can imagine, he is a very powerful foe, especially when he calls in for backup. But in a two-player game, if you bring Willie down, there is still one more opponent you must overcome. Your brother. Yeah, that's right! In a two-player game, to determine who will win Marion's affection at the end of the game, Billy and Jimmy must fight each other, which is just all kinds of wrong if you ask me. The high score holder for Double Dragon, if my research is correct, is Jason Wilson, who scored 151,210 points and had a 100% completion rating back on July 24, 1999. Here at the Arcadia Retrocade, we do not have a high score holder for the game. I'm sure that since you're allowed to continue your game without pumping quarters into it, most people aren't worried about the high score. They just want to have fun beating the game. Double Dragon was popular enough to warrant two arcade sequels. Double Dragon 2, The Revenge in 1988, and Double Dragon 3, The Rosetta Stone in 1990. Of course, such a well-liked title means that it was ported to many of the home consoles and computers of the day, such as the Atari ST, Atari 7800, and even the Atari 2600. You could play it on the ZX Spectrum, the Amstrad CPC, Commodore 64, Amiga, and IBM PC. It was also ported to the Sega Master System, and as I mentioned earlier, it was on the Nintendo Entertainment System as well as the Sega Genesis. It was also available on the Nintendo Game Boy, Super Nintendo, Neo Geo, Atari Lynx, and even the PS1. Back in 1993, Billy and Jimmy teamed up with a rather unlikely group of allies, the Battletoads, in Battletoads and Double Dragon, which was on the NES, and was later ported to the Genesis, the Super Nintendo, and Game Boy. Also in 1993, Double Dragon ceased being just a video game, and was turned into an animated series, produced by Deke Animation, and then... In 1994, Billy and Jimmy Lee jumped from our TV and arcade screens to the silver screen, 
with a live-action adaptation starring Alyssa Milano, Scott Wolf, Mark Dacascos, and T2's Robert Patrick. And now, this message. Double Dragon 2, The Revenge. Raw power for your NES. Nine incredible missions. Two-player simultaneous action. Double Dragon 2 from Acclaim. The best action game ever. To be a dragon, you gotta be strong. Humble, never bragging. Always fight for right, battling wrong with the power of the dragon. Angeles, 2007. The mystical powers of the dragon are dangerous for one person to possess. Power. All right, so where's the on button? Justice. It's our responsibility to protect the dragon. Darkness. This is only half. Find me the other half now. Light. Let's kick some butt. Double. Dragon. Double dragon. Dragon has continued to see ports to current systems, including mobile phone games, Xbox Live, and the PlayStation Network. In 2012, Double Dragon Neon was released for those online services, a reboot of the series featuring improved graphics. Now, I don't believe we can talk about Double Dragon fully without mentioning its fantastic score by Kazunoka Yamane, especially with his opening theme from the game. If that doesn't get you ready to play some Double Dragon, I don't know what will. At the Arcadia Retrocade, Double Dragon, along with Double Dragon 2, were two of the original 10 machines that Shea bought at auction. Keystones, if you will, for the now 138 machines that are on the floor. Double Dragon shares a spot next to Double Dragon 2. And, fittingly enough, its rival, Bad Dudes, on the other side. Super Dodgeball, the game that Kishimoto worked on the same year as Double Dragon, is only three games away. That, I can assure you, is just a happy coincidence. 
We received a nice instant message from Jer Buckman after our last podcast, and he wondered what year was considered to be too new to add a machine to our growing collection. That's a great question, Jer. The answer to that is Shea Mathis decided early on to cut off any machines that were released after 1991. But you see, we've come to learn that Arcadia has a mind of its own, and it attracts the arcade games it feels it needs. What I mean by that is, take Battletoads for instance, a very popular three-player game. It was released in 1994, but Shea was lucky enough to pick it up at an amazing price, and while waiting to move it out of the arcade, found that everyone loved it. So, that 1991 rule, it's flexible. If it feels like it belongs in Arcadia, it'll find a new home with us to be sure. Now, having said that, there are some games that Shea doesn't want the arcade to have. It is a family-friendly business, so you won't find the likes of Mortal Kombat or the enjoyably over-the-top Time Killers. You won't even find those games on the N64 or Genesis at the arcade. I hope that answers your question, Jer, and thank you for being such a great fan of the show. Now, just before I wrap up our show for this week, I would like to remind everyone listening that on Wednesday nights, I've started doing a live feed at the arcade. You can find the feed on You Now, Y-O-U-N-O-W, and find me by searching for my Twitter handle, which is VicSage2005. There's no set amount of time for each feed, but I usually do it a couple times a night, taking my tablet through the arcade, talking to the players, and letting you see and hear all these games. So, I hope you join us for the next, well, Diary of an Arcade Employee vidcast, I suppose. Friends, if you have any feedback for the show, or perhaps a suggestion for a game to cover in the future, you can reach me at vicsage at retroist.com. Diary of an Arcade Employee is now available for download on iTunes, so if you have a moment, I would really appreciate it if you could stop by there and give us a positive review. For further information about the Arcadia Retrocade, please make sure to follow them over on their Facebook page. I'll be sure to provide a link on the Retroist post. I, of course, want to give a huge thanks again to the Retroist for not just hosting this podcast, but for allowing me to record in the Retroist vault. And when you need your daily retro fix, why not visit the Retroist site at www.retroist.com. I hope you listeners will also share your memories of arcades and the game of the week in the comments section of the podcast post. Better yet, I hope you'll be able to share some vintage photos of your favorite arcades. Have a token on me as we listen to a clip for the game I will discuss on the next show. has been a Retroist production. Goodbye, and we hope to see you next time.